the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Elia is really one of the smart guys about con law. Hello, Elia. Good morning. Good to see you. Good morning, Hugh. Welcome back from your vacation. I'm back from mine. Kurt was all right, but it's good to be with the uh, the show's namesake. Thank you. Thank you. Now, Ilya, the long wake for Roe continues in legacy media. I mean, we're going to have this for a year. They're going to have sit Shiva for a year over Roe v. Wade and, and uh, uh, Planned Parenthood v. Casey. Meanwhile, the states are moving back to what they ought to be doing. I want to look ahead. I've done what SCOTUS did a lot. I've written three Washington Post columns on you, uh, West Virginia versus CPA alone. I want to look ahead to the next term because I think it's going to be as big, at least on on the ending of use of race to award benefits or inflict penalty and many other. What's ahead, Ilya, for next year? It's going to be another big term. The court's not taking a year off. There is affirmative action in Harvard and UNC. Uh, there's a case called 303 Creative, uh, which builds on Masterpiece Cake Shop, the baker who didn't want to make a cake for a same-sex wedding. This time it's a graphic designer and a website, so no question that this is First Amendment-protected activity, uh, big uh, cultural case. You, you t- mentioned West Virginia versus EPA, which I think is the longest-lasting uh, decision this term jurisprudentially. Next term, a case like that also involves the EPA, but the Clean Water Act and regulating the so-called waters of the United States. If they're navigable navigable waters, even if it's puddles, the EPA comes in and you can't build on the land. The case called Sackett. Second time that litigation has gotten to the Supreme Court. And California has been regulating the rest of the country, you might have heard, in lots of different ways. There's a pork producer's case. You're thinking, what, are you, what agricultural regulation, California, why is that important? Well, uh, when they set the standard, whether it's for emissions, for agriculture, it's not like manufacturers, agricultural companies do one thing for the California market and another thing for the rest. No, that sets national standards. And so there's something that lawyers call the dormant commerce clause or a state regulating interstate commerce uh, that that comes up. That's just a, a few of the big cases. And there's there's more. Com- oh, and election regulation, of course. Uh, when a state court rewrites what the legislature has done. This came up a number of times in Pennsylvania in the last election, but this is a case out of North Carolina. So the court is going to decide that hopefully once and for all. Now, Ilya, you and I will agree nine out of ten times. So I want to go in reverse order, if I can remember it, of the cases you marked out. And I've retired from the practice of the law. I still teach it. I know the 404 case upwards and downwards, and it's time for them to get back to the Clean Water Act and really crush Rapanos and Justice Kennedy's. Ah, maybe it is. Maybe it isn't a wetland. But we'll come. Let's do reverse order. The, the state election law case. Here's the nut of it. All of this stuff that we have been living through since uh January 6th, and indeed since 2016, is because of the Pennsylvania Supreme Court taking away the right to draw districts from the state legislature. It's a long time path, and the Supreme Court didn't want to touch it. 
Will they get in and finally say, and I think it would fall at the same time, no more independent commissions, no more state Supreme Courts. It's up to state legislators to draw a legislative district, which is what the framers intended, in my opinion. Well, look, luckily, I get paid to analyze and, and advocate rather than predict. Uh, and this one is the toughest one to, I think, predict of any of those that we've talked about. Because, for example, in the redistricting cases, the court ultimately threw up its hands and said, look, there's no constitutional standard for when the politicians take politics too much into account in partisan gerrymandering. Here, this might be similar. Uh, you know, it might not be a good thing for state uh, uh, Supreme Courts to rewrite the law. But what is the federal constitutional standard? Is it the uh, time, place and manner uh, clause that, that states can, can establish the time, place and manner of elections? Is it voting rights, basically, but people aren't being denied their voting rights based on race or sex or, or you know, other equal protection sort of, sort of things? So can the, the key question is, will the Supreme Court find a, a federal constitutional standard to apply uh, when uh, it's a dispute between the state Supreme Court and the state legislature? I don't know. I think honestly. it will. I think it will say the, the text of the Constitution and the Original intent not altered by the 14th Amendment was to leave these decisions to state legislatures, not Supreme Courts, and within the context of what you carefully articulated, no use of race, no use of gender, uh, equal numbers of people in every legislative district. The rest of it is, and by the way, these independent commissions have absolutely no precedent, either in 1789 or in 1868. There's no way that an independent commission is supposed to make these decisions. And there's no way, I also don't, See them extrapolating the Supreme Court, Ilya. Do you really think there are five votes to say state Supreme Courts can do whatever they want? Because some of them are nuts. No, no, probably not. I mean, what they're going to I think we're going to see this in oral argument is they're going to you know, they want to rule that way. What you're saying is eminently sensible. But what is the standard? Because ultimately, you know, state courts do have the power to interpret state law when there's a, a question of of how to interpret that election law that that needs to be applied and decided by the state Supreme Court. But what is the standard for when they go too far? Is it that they're denying a Republican form of government? Is it that they're uh, usurping the legislative authority? I don't know how that re- I haven't yet dug into the briefs, so I don't know how that resonates uh, or I, I don't think the briefs have all been filed yet for that matter. Um, uh, but, but it's going to be that's going to be a, a tough one to look at. Okay, let's go to one where conservatives divide, the pork case, in the Dormant Commerce Clause, or the Negative Commerce Clause. And I tell people they don't know boring until they've sat through these cases. And I hate teaching them. I don't know if you like teaching them. This is my favorite area, Hugh. I I knew it. No, I I tell the students we are about to go through the desert. This is the part of Deuteronomy where you're going to wander through the Dormant Commerce Clause. You've got to explain people. States can't interfere with the flow of commerce. That's what I start my students on. If there's a river and it's starting up in Minnesota and it's ending in New Orleans, states can't charge tolls along the way. That's like the basic story. What does the pork producer regulation do other than interfere with state commerce? Right, right. Uh, but the the question is the way that the, you boil down the jurisprudence, and it's not clear. And you know, ultimately, you know, I I, I filed a brief uh, uh, at at the search stage to get the Supreme Court to take this case, and I support the pork producers because I think what California is doing is really setting standards for the country. But I hope even even if that position loses, uh, as it might, because for example, you mentioned this divides conservatives. Gorsuch and Thomas, uh, I think, are going to rule for California here. They don't like the Dormant Commerce Clause yep. unless it's a clear 
situation like that tolls of the uh, the, the highway or the or the river or whatever. Um, but uh, it's it's a very heterodox. You're gonna you might see the uh, the liberal split as well for that matter. I mean, it's a, it's not it's it, it doesn't match up with uh, normal ideological divisions. Uh, but the I hope they clarify the standard because currently the yes. what's called a Pike balancing test. And whenever you have a balancing test, I mean. Typically, whoever the swing justice just kind of throws up their their their, their hands and says, "Okay, let's go this way." And it's it's very hard. Again, hard to predict, but but better a better standard would be would be very useful. Yeah, I, I agree, and I think that standard should be: do not interfere with people doing business lawfully. Now, let me move to the Rapanos decision, the 404. I'm I actually did this for 30 years. They've got to get 303. The court. Yeah. 303. <laughs> it's it's uh it's 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 uh what what, what I don't. What, is it Lana 303? Anyway, we're going to make a, a joke about uh, area codes, but whatever. Well, I'm, I'm telling you right now, they have to get the core out of this. And Justice Kennedy gave them a chance to try and write their house. They did nothing. I'm retired now, Ilya. It put my kids through college getting these permits. I'm glad it was confusing as hell for 30 years. It's got to stop. People do not owe their allegiance to the United States Army Corps of Engineers. It assaults the it assaults property rights. Do you think we see property rights begin to resurrect in this case? I think so. I mean, the Sacketts previously won their right to even contest this suit. And, uh, you know, this is, uh, again, this is a, a cleanup from when, from the, you know, last term was a cleanup of Justice O'Connor on religion. Uh, this term might be a cleanup of Justice Kennedy on interstate commerce and, uh, and property rights and, uh, you know, Clean Water Act, Clean Air Act, uh, those sorts of things. As you said, Rapanos, you know, you don't really want to get into the weeds, but clearly uh, when it's just stuff that is – you cannot navigate. I don't care how, how shallow your pontoon is, you're not going to navigate uh, that particular water. And um, It's you know, worse than that, should, Ilya. Underground rivers that only run in California yeah. are regulated by the Army Corps of Engineers. It destroys the ability to use the land, and we've got to have a standard that if you take my land, you pay for it. Now, quickly on to creative. I think this is big because Justice Barrett said two years ago, we got to come up with a new standard. Smith doesn't work. And she's had two years to think about it. Are we going to get a new standard? Um, I don't know if we're going to need to overturn Employment Division versus Smith because uh, which which is a case uh, uh, that, that says if you want a religious exemption, you need to get it from the legislature if, if it's a neutrally applicable law. But the court has been saying you're you're purposely targeting religious institutions. And I think they're going to find a way to say the same thing here. Uh, not quite with the smoking gun that they had with Masterpiece Cake Shop, where the commissioners were uh, actively bigoted in their in their statements. Uh, but uh, like we saw in the uh, two terms ago with with uh, uh, adoption standards in Philadelphia, uh, that, that that they, they, they disqualified the Catholics because they wouldn't uh, they would refer rather than uh, give direct placements to gay couples uh, here. They're going to say, look, the only you know, there's no problem here. You've manufactured this problem. There are plenty of uh, of other website designers you could go to. And you're targeting with this litigation, uh, with this prosecution by the Civil Rights Commission. The case that I think is the most important, at least in terms of my audience feeling its impact in a real way. Uh, This is the one that's going to hit most of the people listening, and it is the affirmative action case involving Harvard. You say, I didn't go to Harvard. Well, it's going to be about everything. And, Ilya, I want to start with my favorite John Roberts quote. And the chief and I have known each other since we worked together in the White House in 1985 and 86, and I love him. I think he's a terrific chief justice. He's not a close friend. I just think he's a great man. He wrote in 2007, 
The way to stop discrimination on the basis of race is to stop discriminating on the basis of race. That's from a famous case called Community School, Parents Involved in Community Schools versus Seattle School District Number 1. I think that's the, that's the key to America. I think that's everything in our future. We can go down one path where race matters or another where don't bring it up. And this is it's teed up in the Harvard case. What's going to happen? Are we going to get another statement from the chief like this that resonates? Well, this is a place, as you said, that where, where John Roberts is not squishy. And I don't think Kavanaugh is going to be squishy based on what we've seen uh, of him. So uh, we could not just, uh, you know, hand a, a, a technical win and say Harvard is a black box. We don't know how they're using race. Uh, lower courts go figure it out again, which is what happened and was uh, not very good in the UT Austin uh uh, Fisher case a, a number of years ago. I think this is ripe for a complete demolition of this uh, this edifice based on this diversity rationale that got exactly one vote in 1979 in the Bakke case, a challenge to racial preferences at UC Davis Medical School, where there were four justices that said you can ra- use race all the time to remedy past wrongs, four justices who said, no, this is against the 14th Amendment, you can't do it. Uh, and one, Lewis Powell, who said, well, uh, diversity in education is a compelling interest. And so uh, all of this, uh, for 40 years, all of our fights have been uh, based on that thin reed. And so I think, uh, as with Roe v. Wade uh, and some other precedents that have been thrown out in recent years, I think this is finally where the court says, there's no way to do this. There's We, we have to kick this whole rotten uh, can uh, away. If the country survives 100 years, Ilya, I think we will look back at the Burger Court era as a disaster that befell American jurisprudence, and that the the Trump justices led by the Chief Justice and Justice Thomas and and whoever else is the sixth, so I'm forgetting, there are six conservatives, let us out of the forest in 2022 to 2024. That we just said, we're, we're getting out of here, and we're going to blowtorch our way out. We're going to dump Roe and Casey. We're going to dump uh, Bakke and its progeny. We are going to dump... Uh, the regulatory state. We're just getting out of this force because we have no business being here. Are you as optimistic as I am? I am, but I think uh, John Roberts, the chief justice, is being brought there kicking and screaming in in many ways. Of course, you know, he voted uh, to uphold the Mississippi abortion law, but not to overturn Roe. Uh, As I said, on, on this area, on race, he's not been squishy, but in many other areas, he is very much committed to minimalism and institutionalism, whatever that means, rather than originalism and textualism. So it's a very vibrant set of justices on the right who disagree with each other from time to time. And this term, they all defected at least twice, uh, quote unquote, defected in in five, four cases, um, except Alito, that should be noted. Uh, But this is indeed, you know, this is the term that finally the hoped for, feared, expected conservative majority finally coalesced. Uh, because you have that uh, that uh, you don't you already ha- you already have six votes, so you can afford to to lose one. So it's beyond the margin of of defection. I think I think the chief justice wants to clear cut his way out of the forest, just like everyone else. But he doesn't want anyone to notice. And, and the difference is <laughs> that you cannot not be noticed. You're going to either take the trees down and get out or not. I think we escape, Ilya. And by this, I, do you agree with the, that, that race is noxious? That that the whole American founding was flawed because of race. The 14th Amendment was supposed to end that flaw, and we're back in there using race everywhere. And we've got to get out or we cannot survive as a free republic. Do you agree with that? 
I, I do. And, and so-called race relations have gotten worse in the last 20 years, not because people have gotten more racist, but because of uh, uh, activists and, uh, you know, what, what I guess in the 80s were called race hustlers have inflamed things, the 1619 Project and, and all of that, the, uh, the, the anti-racism, the, you know, my run-in with the uh, diversity, equity, inclusion office at, at Georgetown, which is Orwellian, the, you know, subverts If you want to stick diversity. around and talk about that, Ilya... <laughs> If you do, I'm, tell I'm Dwayne. To. And we well, need to plug my book out in paperback, Supreme Disorder. Ilya is a fellow at the Manhattan Institute and uh, recently went through a trial with Georgetown University's Woke Law School. And uh, he emerged on the other side, leaving them behind in the victor. He's the author of Supreme Disorder. More importantly, he just understands this. He had to be on a legacy network every night, actually just talking about the law, if you really want to understand it, because Ilya is fun. So I ran into him last week at a gathering of young conservatives not so young conservatives anymore, actually. I'm old, but they're they're not so they're not 25 anymore. And uh, Glenn Youngkin was my guest. By the way, what did you uh, without revealing what was said, Chatham House rules? What did you make of Glenn Youngkin, Ilya? Uh, he's dynamic. I mean, I, I'm uh, I was delighted that that he's my governor. I've lived in Virginia for almost eight years now, and uh, uh, I actually was running for school board in Falls Church City last fall, and I, and I teased Governor Yunkin that I did better than he did, at least in my uh, jurisdiction. Um, but uh, no, I thought I thought he's uh, bringing uh, he and and Jason Miares as the attorney general. They're really uh, uh, saving the state from from uh, the direction that it had been going. We'll see uh, what uh, what what comes in future, and I don't know if he's really a, a viable presidential candidate as. Uh, has been said. This is he's in his first uh, elected position, and we'll see how things go. The the nature of the race, but no, I I, I like him. No, I I do too, and I I think Winsome Sears is also in our rising star category. But it's a divided state, and it's a purple at best state, and the Beltway influence is giant, and Amazon is coming. Now, Ilya, I, I'm going to let you tell the story. I want the audience to understand that the American Legal Academy is broken, very badly broken. I may be the last conservative teaching on the West Coast. John Wu's up at Berkeley, and, and I only do it every other year because I'm, I'm 66, and I'm tired of dealing with this. I, I hate faculty meetings. I think you made the right choice in running away from Georgetown. But tell people the story because it illustrates what's wrong with the legal academy. Sure. Uh, so I had been at the Cato Institute, the nation's leading libertarian think tank, for nearly 15 years and had the opportunity to make a change uh, uh, have a different sort of impact. I uh, got a really interesting offer from Georgetown to be the executive director of its Center for the Constitution. Now, as it turns out, the rest of the institution is the center against the Constitution. But uh, I was uh, going to be working with Randy Barnett, a notable <laughs> constitutional uh, legal scholar professor. Uh, and a few days before I was set to join Georgetown was when uh, news of uh, Justice Breyer's retirement broke. And uh, there was a media firestorm, of course, and I was giving comment. And late that evening, I was in my hotel room in Austin, Texas. They, this probably wouldn't have happened if I wasn't traveling, because I, I tend not to doom scroll Twitter from from home. Uh, but I was, you know, in, in my room and before going to bed, just getting upset by uh, President Biden's decision to limit his 
selection pool by race and sex. He was going to fulfill his campaign promise to appoint a black woman. So I thought if I were a Democratic president, if I wanted to advance progressive legal ideas, who would I pick? And I thought Sri Srinivasan, the chief judge of the D.C. Circuit, very well known and respected scholar, advocate, now judge. Um, Indian American happens to be, would be the first of that kind to get your identity politics points. Also an immigrant. So a great story and, and would be very, very effective. And very course, smart. Very influential. Yep. Very smart. Yeah. Was on the short list for the for the nomination that went to Merrick Garland under under Obama. Um, but of course, he's disqualified because, as I put it, doesn't fit into the latest hierarchy of intersectionality. And so by order of logic, everyone else in the entire universe, if I think he's the best, everyone else is less qualified, is a lesser candidate. And based on Biden's criteria, that means we will end up with a, quote, lesser black woman. And it's those three words that really provoked the, the manufactured outrage on Twitter. My political enemies seized on that and uh, tried to get me fired. Uh, and eventually I had, I had a few days of hell. It was, uh, you know, a very uh, tough, intense period, um, you know, trying to support my family, my livelihood, my reputation, uh, everything else. And not because of Twitter. I don't care about the Twitter mob, but the real world, uh, you know, my job and, and my life. Uh, and the dean, uh, who is no profile in courage, as we'll get to, of Georgetown, Bill Trainer, decided to onboard me and immediately suspend me with pay, uh, administrative leave to investigate whether my comments violated the university policies on harassment and anti-discrimination. And so began four months to continue the analogy of purgatory. Um, the diversity office, the, uh, the, the bureaucrats charged with this inquisition, interviewed me a few weeks in, um, basically asked several times, what did you mean by that tweet? You know, why was it so offensive? Um, but this thing went on and on and on for more than four months. And it was quite clear that what they were waiting for was for the semester to end and the students to get off campus uh, so they, they could try to kind of sweep this under the rug or slap me on the wrist or something. So uh, eventually, one of the bright lawyers that they were paying, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars for to, to advise them, uh, looked at the calendar and found I was not an employee when I tweeted, and therefore these policies don't apply to me. So, all right, I celebrated the technical victory. Um, okay, I get to go do my stuff. Uh, you know, it's technical, but but I'll, I'm 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 in the arena. But then landed in my inbox the detailed report from this uh, this uh, office of diversity and HR. The Inquisition. Uh, and in analyzing, what's that? The Inquisition. Yes, yes. As I said, it's, it, at, at Georgetown, it's called Institutional Diversity, Equity, and Affirmative Action. It's basically the opposite of whatever it's called. It's very Orwellian. Uh, and in reading this, along with my lawyer uh, and Professor Barnett, my wife, who's a better lawyer than all of us, uh, it became clear that this was untenable. What they said was, OK, they can't punish me because of this technicality, but uh, note for future. And this, by the way, is a note for everyone else, not just me. Um, uh, anytime you say something or write something that somebody claims offense, that creates a hostile educational environment uh, 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 that subjects me to discipline or termination. Uh, so basically, very realistic scenario that they are setting me up for a fall when I'm commenting with you right now on the affirmative action case and saying that uh, judging people based on race violates the 14th Amendment. Oh, someone's offended by that. And I get back into the star chamber or three or three creative. You know, this offends the LGBTQIA plus plus two community, whatever it's called. Um, 
so that subjective standard is, is not going to work. And they apply it unevenly. I presented in my four page resignation letter that I summarized in The Wall Street Journal. Uh, there have been very inflammatory by any objective, not subjective standard, offensive tweets by Georgetown professors. And they weren't investigated or disciplined, nor should they have been. But it's free speech for thee and not for me. And I am not going to live like that. So I had what lawyers call a noisy withdrawal. And I've been using this platform in this moment to shine a light on the rot in academia generally and in Georgetown specifically. Now, Ilya, Georgetown Private University, it's Catholic University. I'm Catholic. I'm embarrassed by it. I'm completely chagrined that when a once mighty Catholic institution has fallen into persecuting people like the Inquisition was back. But it's an Inquisition from the left, not from the uh, arch conservatives. Did you think, have you considered, will you find a way to sue them on a situational slander basis? In other words, I'm thinking of the Neiman Marcus case where a uh, defendant said something like, everybody who works at Neiman Marcus is a hooker. And there were 10 girls who worked at the Neiman Marcus fashion department and the nine of them who were not prostitutes sued and they won. <laughs> Cause, uh, but, but this is different because they actually just targeted you and destroyed you and they tarred and feathered you online and in reality and they dragged you through and it was a very public warning to everybody else and everybody else in legal academia. We will come for you from the Inquisition. And like Oberlin faces a $10 million judgment by the bakery that got slandered by their Inquisition, Georgetown should pay the price. Are you going to do that? Well, uh, the statutes of limitations have not run in all and various claims, so I'm limited in what I can exactly say. I'm, I'm, I'm discussing with my lawyer all available options. There's also in D.C. Uh, protection for political affiliation. Um, there's also hostile work environment. There, there are different sorts of claims that are possible. Um, uh, you know, the, the juries in D.C. and Northern Virginia aren't terribly favorable, as they might be in some other places. But um, I'm, I'm considering my options. That I'll, I'll just say that. Does uh, Virginia look, have a um, law on the intentional infliction of emotional distress? It does. It does. I mean, that, that, that seems to me to be the applicable tort. They intentionally dragged you along a rocky road and cut you with broken glass for four months. And I think the discovery would be fascinating. But it also would project. It would mean you have to go back in and do it again. I just don't know if you want to run in that. In that. And I, I know you can't say anything, but you are considering all options. Considering all options, I, I never, I never exclude options. I'm, I'm very inclusive that way, Hugh. And so, what is the lesson for other academics? Well, look, the thing is, well, the lesson is, uh, academia is a hostile place. I mean, you're, you're, are, are you, are you a fully tenured professor, Hugh, or yes. just an adjunct? I, I in remember. fact, I'm, the, yeah. I, I'm fully tenured. I've been fully tenured since '96. I am the senior man in the area. They cannot touch me. Yeah. 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 Well, that's good. Well, you're you're maybe your grandfather fathered in also, uh, you know, who knows what, you know, each university might be slightly different. And uh, maybe uh, maybe Chapman has has the, the administrators have uh, slightly more spine than Georgetown. I'm, I'm not sure. But the, uh, the 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 point is, you know, what's gone on isn't that all of a sudden. Uh, the, the liberals have taken over academia. I mean, newsflash breaking. I mean, this has been going on for decades. So what happened to me, the lesson of this is not the decades old sour grapes of conservatives that, you know, liberals have taken over academia. I don't think the ratio among either students or faculty at Georgetown or, or higher education generally of liberals, conservatives, moderates is all that different from when I was in college 25 years ago or law school 20 years ago. What's changed is the proliferation of these diversity bureaucrats, diversocrats, and bureaucrats in general, who have to justify 
justify uh, their own uh, existence. And the spinelessness of administrators who kowtow or placate the radical illiberal, not liberal, but illiberal mobs that have narrowed and shifted the Overton window, the range of permissible uh, policy expression. Uh, and these diversity offices run the show uh, at this point. So Dean Trainer at Georgetown and others like him, most places, the deans, the presidents, etc., are not woke radicals. They're spineless cowards. Uh, I want to I want to close on that the- note that the difference between you and me is Chapman is run by Daniele Strupa, whose response and by and Matt Parlow. Their response to wokeism was to open a center for First Amendment freedom of expression, and uh, they said, go to hell. To everyone out there who wants to shut down points of view, whether or not they're left, right, center, whatever, they move the Overton window back. And that's the only thing that works, Ilya. Last 30 seconds to you, uh, Manhattan. No, absolutely. That's the thing. I'm I'm very pessimistic about academia, but uh, unlike the country writ large, I see green shoots in our society writ large. But the solution in academia is actually fairly simple. It's, as you said, those few administrators in places like Chapman or University of Chicago, or I went to law school, they say, look, we are not going to police wrong think and wrong speech. And that's it. And that shuts these things down. So all it takes is courage and enforcing generally the policies that they already have. Uh, but uh, I'm pessimistic about whether they're going to courage do is the most important virtue because it is the one upon which all others depend. Ilya Shapiro, thank you for joining me. I Shapiro on Twitter. The book is Supreme Disorder. And, and my new Substack. my new Substack, Shapiro's gavel. Very important. Shapiro's gavel. All right. Yeah. Go there. Subscribe. Support Ilya. Support him. I really do mean that. Plus, you'll be smarter. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.